wait till I give my money right. And now it's time for another episode of the Blue and Gold Standard, a production of KLPR Sports. We'll now take you live into the Mitchell Center studio where Austin and Jack are here to set the standard. And set the standard we will here in the KLPR studios on 91.1. I'm Austin Jacobson, joined here by Jack McClay, and this is the Blue and Gold Standard. I think we've got a pretty good show for you today, but I think there's also some stuff going on out there that we need to, we need to get some news going. Oh, that's an interesting sound, Austin. It is. That sounds I, like I, breaking news. I feel like there's some news in sports today, Jack, that we might need to cover. Austin, there is. What is it? What's out there? Odell Beckham Jr. has been traded to the Cleveland Browns. And Austin, I think this is the biggest trade and the biggest news we've heard basically all year. Now, is it the worst trade in the history of trade deals? Or is this, what What kind of deal are we talking about here? I, I honestly, Austin, I think this is a great trade. On a lot of different, I agree with you. On a lot I of different levels. When it comes to trading, you know, big time athletes and big time stars, especially like this, you're either thinking long term or you're thinking short term. And obviously for the Browns, this is short-term. You know, we need to get guys right now. As we talked about, this is the Browns. Their new offensive as of right now is quarterback Baker Mayfield, running back Kareem Hunt, who is on an eight-game suspension because of his uh, previous issues, we'll call it that. Running back Nick Chubb, wide receiver Jarvis Landry, and now wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. So the Browns are looking to win right now. This is a great short-term trade. You know, we're, we're done. That's have, a dangerous roster. It is. And we're done having, you know, failed rebuilds and all this stuff. And for, for the uh, Giants, this is a long-term deal. You know, we want to we incorporate. We want to get Saquon Barkley, move him more to the face of the franchise and, and, and figure it out in that sense. So they're, they're definitely looking more long-term. And I'm pretty excited for both teams, honestly. Well, and what's, what's a better way to set up a future franchise quarterback, which everyone really expects them to draft at number six? It looks like it could be Dwayne Haskins. It could be any quarterback. You know, you never want to put someone in there. But... If you have Haskins and Saquon Barkley, that's a really good, youthful, and young and exuberant faces of your franchise. I don't know if a lot of franchises wouldn't want those two to be, and especially in the New York media market, what more could you possibly ask for? Also, you remove a huge character issue from your roster right before you add a very talented young quarterback. I think that that's a very, very smart move on the Giants organization. No, absolutely. And I think that have, you know if you get a guy like Dwayne Haskins, that will provide a very good dynamic to have because you know Dwayne Haskins, very athletic guy, but definitely more of a throw dominant right, guy. Yeah. You know, and they still have good receivers. I Absolutely. mean, Sterling Shepard is still there. They've still they just drafted a tight end. They they have a lot of good pieces still there. And of course, Saquon's in the backfield. I mean, he can be a receiver if you wanted him to be. There's still pieces around him. Right, and and you know, here's the thing about the Giants and Odell. There was there were issues going on with that. They felt he was kind of a cancer. You know, they didn't they didn't look at him with high regards. You know. This guy, we want him to be the face. He was the face of their franchise and everything, but they didn't want him to necessarily be the face. So, honestly, I think it's a great move, and it's it's a thing we've talked about before, Austin. If you don't want to be there, get out, because no, no one wants you there. And the best part for Odell, too, is he spent four years, five years, however long it was, in New York. He built up his own market brand. He was probably the face of the NFL for at least three years after, you know, post the catch on right. Monday Night Football, and he marketed himself beautifully well. Now he gets out of the New York media market. He's still the most marketable receiver out of the entire league because he has Nike deals, he's got shoe deals, he's got 
you know, all the commercials and the Gatorade and all that kind of stuff going on, but he gets out of New York so he's not scrutinized every single week with anything that he does. The cameras won't always be on Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. on the sidelines. No, I think that's a really good point. So, Austin, you know, moving more towards Cleveland because the Giants, you know, they're going to they're gonna have to take some time. They're going to they're gonna need some well, time. Well, now they're, the, they're, not, they're now Cleveland. Right, exactly. At this point. I mean, no, that's true. what it looks like. So they're, they're going to have some time to, to, to rebuild. But kind of looking at short-term with Cleveland – um, you know, are they are they the favorite in the AFC North, or, or what is this? What are you thinking for next year? I mean, honestly, how could you not look at them as the favorite? They've got a young and talented and inspiring defense. They've got an offense that if they if they gel and meld well together right away, there's not a lot of teams that can beat this offensive lineup. I mean, you already said it again, but it's worth stating one more time. Baker Mayfield, that quarterback, who arguably is on the cusp of becoming an annual pro bowler even after his first season. Kareem Hunt, who is an annual pro bowler, and once he comes back from suspension, I guess we'll see where his body shape and all that kind of stuff is. Nick Chubb, who is a very talented Georgia running back, and although he had injury issues, played very, very well last year. Jarvis Landry, established receiver. Odell Beckham Jr., established receiver. Both those guys had more receptions and more receiving yards in their first four seasons in the league than anyone else. And those two... I mean, just in those, if you take those two and Baker Mayfield, that's a great offense. And you include the running backs, and we didn't even put David Njoku on there. We didn't put Antonio Callaway on there. We right. didn't put Duke Johnson on there. I know right. Duke Johnson's not exactly the biggest name to say. And their offensive line, they have a fantastic front three from center guard guard. If they find that left tackle and that's not their weak spot, there aren't a lot of holes on that roster offensively. Well, on the topic of Duke Johnson, I think this is actually a great opportunity to maybe trade him. Duke Johnson, though, he's, you know, he's not... Kareem Hunt, and he's not Nick Chubb, but he's still a high-quality back. Yeah, he's a talented so guy, this yeah. Is, this is a great opportunity to take that high-quality back and trade him for maybe a defensive guy, kind of open up that defensive arsenal and really kind of make your team overall better. But look at the defensive moves they made, too. Miles Garrett, first overall pick. Right. They just traded for Oliver Vernon from the Giants as well. Right. And they're uh, they're using their huge amounts of cap space that they have built up and using these trade value picks in the correct way. And it finally looks like whoever's running the Cleveland Browns right now, whether it's the GM, whether it's the owner, the head coach, they finally have it figured out. Right. And I, I think it's hilarious, too, because I think the biggest laughable moment of all of these things is Hugh Jackson because he couldn't put it all together and he couldn't get the team to form. And yeah. now he's basically, I mean, he's an assistant coach for the Bengals and he has to play the Avengers, it looks like, twice <laughs> a year. I mean, yeah. that's what it is. Like, right. he, he, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if he's Thanos or if, if whoever it is, but right. honestly, like, this lineup has to, you know, it makes any offensive coordinator's mouth rule because you could run the ball 50 times a game with this offense. You could throw the ball 50 times a game. Or, you know, if you get enough plays, why not do both? Right, and you know, Austin. The more I think about it, Cleveland Browns kind of remind me of the Rams last year. In, oh, in, yeah. In the, in the sense that they have a lot of guys coming in, a lot of moves being made. But it's almost like the Cleveland Browns have been lucky because they've had all the had these rookies and this rebuilding, and then they kind of flop out, whatever. So they do have, and Joe Thomas retires. So they do have these this large amount of cap space. But you know, Baker Mayfield in a little bit, he's going to want a big franchise contract. He, you know, these guys are going to want bigger contracts if it does work out well. So I think the Cleveland Browns are looking nice now, but hopefully they can get it, get their money allocated correctly. Otherwise, I don't think they can keep all these guys. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing to realize too is, as much as we're hyping up this team, this is a very, very young team. And this is a very immature team. And you can see that from the top bottom. Yep. Baker Mayfield had all of his issues in college. He um, always is very confident. I think people love his confidence in the NFL. Um, Odo Beckham, of course, he he's still very young and he seems to, you know, be growing in his maturity, but he still has his lapses in judgment. Jarvis Landry is the same way. Kareem Hunt got suspended for um, domestic violence. I right. mean, th- these are things that this team is very immature. And if 
things are going well, that can bud and, you know, you could end in a 13-3 and season and you could ride hot all the way. That's how young teams work. I mean, that's how the Rams work. They, they, they rode hot throughout the entire season and they rode it all the way to the Super Bowl. But also, young teams like Jacksonville, we saw one time that they would go all the way to the AFC Championship, then the next year, they couldn't meld it all together. Right. And they had their hot heads in the locker room, really dividing the locker room. And it, it makes things harder, even if you're more talented than the other team, it makes things a lot more difficult when you can't gel and get on the same page. Well, this is what I think is interesting too. You know, this sound, it sounds like a joke because it kind of was with when J.R. Smith when he uh, right went to, yep. when he went mm-hmm. to Cleveland he was like, oh, you know, I'm I'll I'll have no problem here because there's no nightlife. Which it sounds like a total joke, but I mean, it's true. Th- is this what Absolutely. people really do? You know, yeah. is, is Odell and and Kareem Hunt and Jarvis and these guys like, oh, if I go to Cleveland, like there's nothing to do there, so I'm not going to get in trouble or anything. Is this really like a rehab to them? Because it, it really seems like it. I mean, Baker Mayfield got drafted there too, and I think that he's. Much more mature, and I think wherever Baker Mayfield would have went, he would have been fine. Right. But, you know, you have to wonder if these things play into it. Like, do they really look well, at and, Cleveland and, as a rehab? And, I mean, look where o- Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry were before. Like, Jarvis hasn't had a lot of off-field issues. You've heard, like, rumors and whispers about it, but he was in Miami. I mean, that's a hotbed of right. stuff. And Odell was in New York City. Of course, big media spotlight, and, of course, you can talk about the boat trip and all that kind of stuff that he went to Florida for, but... I mean, these these are just these are the things that young players have to establish themselves for. You have two paths in the road, and Baker chose to take one way, and granted he was in Cleveland, but you know Johnny Manziel was in Cleveland as well, but yeah. would fly out to Vegas on Friday nights. Yeah. So these are the things that you know when you're a professional quarterback and you're a professional football player, and you have the money and the ability to do so, and you want to do something like that, you can. Nothing's stopping you. Yeah. But these guys now have all the opportunity to either make a great three to four year run here, and then we'll see what happens yeah. when everyone's contract run out and everyone moves again. It's going to be interesting. No, I I, think I'm, so too. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with this team, and especially what happens with the AFC North. Well, and obviously, you know, we're talking about how good they're going to be. You know, my kind of final point that I'll wrap up about Cleveland is I think they're going to be good. There's not a doubt. But, you know, all great teams, they need to establish chemistry. No, I, I really I don't think that they're going to win the Super Bowl next year. I mean, you look at the Miami Heat, you look at every Kentucky team, you even look at the Rams, kind of a best-case yeah, scenario yep. of, that, of that mix and match. You know, you just you need a little bit more. So I'm excited for them in the future, but a, a direct next year, I don't know. You know, we haven't talked about either. Jabril Peppers also included in that trade, and yeah. Jabril Peppers, I mean, in himself, he was a he was a good player. Uh, I don't to the bl- Giants, to the Giants, yeah, to to the Giants, to the Giants. And Cleveland gave up their first round, a third round, and Jabril. Um, you know, that's a guy in your back end that you wanted to have. I mean, you drafted him with a fir- uh, a first round pick a couple of years ago. He's yeah. an athletic guy, but. When you just look across the board, this trade values up in Cleveland's favor on paper, but I think in the long term we're going to see both teams, hopefully both teams, turn out to be winners in this situation. We're going to take a break here on the Blue and Gold Standard. Don't go anywhere. We will be back with Jack's three-course meal. You're listening to the Blue and Gold Standard here on 91.1 KLPR. Yo, VIP. Let's kick it.
jumping with the bass kicked in and the Vegas all pumping. Quick to the point, to the point, no faking. Cooking MCs like a pound of bacon, burning them. If you're not quick and nimble, I go crazy when I hear a cymbal and a hot hat with a souped up tempo. I'm on a roll, it's time to go solo. Rolling, hear my 5.0 with the rag top down so my hair can blow. The girl is on standby, waving just to say hi. Did you stop? No, I just drove by, kept on. Pursuing to the next stop. I bust a left and I'm heading to the next stop. The block was dead, yo. So I continue to A1A Beachfront Avenue. Girls were hot. And now, it's time for Jack's favorite part of every day. The three-course meal. Three topics in sports. On the mind of UNK's most philosophical lineman. Jack, who's fat? Uh, me. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it. This is Jack's three-course meal. It's the uh, it's the fun foodie topics that I like to talk about. And by foodie, I mean nothing related to food, just <laughs> sports. But as how it breaks down, we, we have the complimentary bread, we have the appetizer, we have the entree, and we have the dessert, which we really messed up in the past couple yeah, of Yeah, well, we're on the right track That's now. right. We've we're, got it. We've, we got we're, it now. We're making yeah, it. So, Austin, first, complimentary bread. On oh, the table. Not to mention... Oh, always so great. Always. I mean, seriously. Texas Roadhouse Rolls, right? Oh, That's incredible. the best one. Yeah. What, what else? What, what What's another good one? I mean, Red Lobster Biscuits, you got those. Red Lobster there. Biscuits are good. You know, I really do like the Alley Rose bread. It's I honestly I've don't. I've never been there. Oh, it's pretty. Really? Really. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we could go food all day. So we we'll, could. We'll we say could. sports. So complimentary bread. Austin, Kyrie Irving, he needs to leave Boston. Like, he, he, he really does. You know, I like him. He's a great player and everything. But I think he needs to be out. This is a young team. They have too much going forward with them. That they don't need this distraction, and I don't think Kyrie does either. They're just they're on two different platforms right now. They're trying to build, and the Celtics are trying to get better. Are they are they a young team though? Because they're I mean they might trade Jason Tatum. They might try to get Anthony Davis. Yeah, like, I mean is I guess, this is this a team that this is a good that's a good you know, point. I mean, I mean if that's the the youth movement that they want to do, then yes, absolutely, I right. agree with you. Trade trade Kyrie, get rid of him, something like that. But if it's not, keep Kyrie because yeah. he he fits better yeah. in an Anthony Davis situation. I think he does too. I think that's a great point and something I really haven't thought about. I just I think that's almost. A discussion that Brad Stevens needs to figure out and figure out quickly. You know, what do you want to do? What type of team do you want to have? Because Brad Stevens is by far the best player developing coach in the league. Steve, oh, it's not even a question. Steve Kerr's there, but but Brad Stevens yeah. by far. So he doesn't have to feel like, oh, is my team going to be too young? Am I going to have, you know, I don't have four years under my belt, which you don't need to. You can do it in one year. That's how talented you are. Right. So, yep. I mean, that shouldn't be an issue for him. So he needs to decide quickly. What do you want to do? And, you know, honestly, Kyrie, when you just – how he talks nowadays and his mentality, he's above them. He, he needs he, – he doesn't want to be there. He's He's got other ideas in mind. Yeah, and so. we talked about it last week on the show. I mean, he he was just talking about how he was like, oh, I'm so done with this. I hate the markets, and I hate I, I just want to play basketball. It's like, dude, you're in Boston. Yeah. It's not even the biggest market in the NBA. Right, and, and that's what I'm saying. That's just a total cop-out, a total excuse. It's it's not what, how he actually feels. He's just not happy. I don't think he feels like he's the guy anymore. I, I, think, I think that's the biggest thing. I think so, too. I think he – he traded to be the guy, and it's not working out how he wants, and now he wants out. And he's unhappy, and that's what I'm saying. Dude, if you're unhappy, you got to go. So if you're unhappy, go to the Knicks. Kind of, yeah, okay. Go to the Knicks. I, was, I, was yeah. Gonna say, I mean, I was, yeah. Sorry, I beat you to the punch there. But, yeah. I, mean, I mean, he's already talked to KD about it, and like we hit on the show last week. I mean, go to the Knicks. Just yeah. go, go somewhere. And, I mean, yeah, you hate the Marcus and everything, yeah, but then why are you talking about the Knicks? Like, yeah, I agree. That's, that's the biggest thing. But, I mean, you know, go down to Popovich. Go go to San Antonioville if, if that's, that's what you really want. I mean, at all. That's a good I, I, I think it's I think it's a good move for him because you got some guys down there. And do you fit well with DeRozan? Do you fit well with Aldridge down there? I think he could. I think yeah. there's potential. Um, I don't think he's looking at San Antonio. But if you're sticking to your word and you don't, you only want to play basketball. Take a take a less deal and go to Dallas. You know, Austin on on here. I had you know, if not New York, 
LA for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. But but I think that's I think that's better. I think the Spurs is actually a better a better move for him. Now if the, if that's not the case, or he doesn't like how Popovich rolls or whatever, then I think LA is just maybe a good thought of you know it's like that it's like that eighth grade high school relationship where <laughs> where they were so in love and it was all great and then you know they made different decisions and they they just want to start a new life and they want to better themselves and all that. Start then, a new life in eighth grade. That's right. You know exactly <laughs> in high school and then they go off to college and then, right. and, But then you know after college they meet and they come back. They're a little bit more mature. That I think, and that's me being optimistic, being an LA Braun fan, right? But I mean, I think as you, but see, it is what's happened. I well, mean, they've and, spoken and so well of each other well, since then. Seen, I mean, you're right. You're and right. And you've seen in the past that they are phenomenal together. Yeah, they really are. And and, and as long as everyone's on good terms with each other, right, they're yeah. an absolute dominant one-two punch. Right. So. I mean, that's it for the complimentary bread. It was delicious. I'm, it was. But I'm still very hungry. Exactly. So. I mean, it's filling, but it's not enough. We're going to have to order an appetizer. Oh, absolutely. And Austin, this appetizer. This is all mine. You're not going to think this. We're getting is, the deep dish. No, you're, you're, you will not think this tastes very good. Blake Bortles was released from Jacksonville. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts a lot. And, um, I mean, it's because Nick Foles is coming in with that big contract, all that kind of stuff. He's got what is the years, contract? Let us know. Four years, $88 million, $50 million guaranteed for a backup quarterback that won a Super Bowl two years ago. I think he's a good quarterback. Austin, I don't think he's $88 million $50 worth. million guaranteed. Insane. For Nick Foles. I'm a big Nick Foles fan. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. wow. Yeah, I know. I yeah. I and you couldn't have said that Nick Foles was ever getting that contract to go three years ago. And yeah. I think that's something that people always take into account. But Ryan Fitzpatrick gets these contracts. Nick Foles getting these contracts. I mean, we've seen this time and time again. I guess we'll see what happens. Maybe Nick Foles proves us all wrong. But the main part of this is Blake Bortles is out of the league currently. Like he doesn't have yeah. a job. Yeah. And it's very interesting to see because construction. Blake, well, I hope he would go to construction. <laughs> he deserves to be a starting quarterback. I'm I'm completely serious. I think Blake Bortles is a starting quarterback in the NFL. If you were throwing your best receiver was Mercedes Lewis at tight end and Marquise Lee, you're not going to have a good time. Right. Like I'm straight up not having a good time, Blake Bortles. Like I'm with yeah. you there. And if Leonard Fournette's averaging 3.7 yards per carry, what do you want me to do? I understand that he's not the most talented person in the world, and obviously he doesn't read defenses all that great, but there's not a lot of quarterbacks that could do what he could you know could have potentially done right. with the cast that he had i mean this is almost aaron Rodgers' bare cupboard level of you know ineptitude on the skill position yeah i just i you know i don't think i'm not super high on blake bortles in the sense of him being an overall great quarterback but i think they're being a little too hard on him it's not like jacksonville was just lights out in every regard except quarterbacking right. i just i think it was too i think it was too hard and let's not forget i mean he had three offensive coordinators in his time there. Yeah, exactly. But how do he, you how do you get established? It, well, and he but the thing at the same time he was established. He was the face yeah. of the franchise. Yeah, you know, no, he, I agree. I he, agree. It's it's I think it's very interesting. In my personal opinion, Austin, I think they are moving way too quickly. You know why? Why not? Why not feel it out? Why not get get Foles? You know, sign him to a good deal. Probably wouldn't be able to do that. But you know, sign him to a pretty decent deal and kind of let it play out. You know, it's funny because we're talking about Foles. This is exactly what Philadelphia did with Carson Wentz right. and Nick Foles. Carson Wentz was the guy, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. It was not even a debate, but why not just test it? Nick Foles won him a Super Bowl. He had success. You don't want to just take him out because what if Carson gets hurt again? What if he just starts playing like crap? Right. Definitely just hold it out and see what happens and then be like, yeah, Blake, you're gone. And I I, I mean, Bortles number three overall pick. Uh, talent is there. I mean, you right. can see it. He has the arm strength. He can throw inside, outside. He can throw it anywhere on the field. It's just You don't really know where it's going to go when he <laughs> launches right. it back. But, right. I mean, he he, is so, he has shown the potential to be able to be a competent quarterback in the league. I, I don't doubt he will start on another team. I think it'll be one of those things that he comes in like Carson Palmer, uh, not as talented as Carson Palmer was, obviously, but I think he'll come in again, like middle of the season, and probably just pull out, pull something out of the hat for somebody. And yeah. that, that I honestly could see him becoming one of those Sam Bradford type journeymen where. 
he's a stopgap guy. You just put him in for a year and you hope for the best, and then you let your younger guy transition. Right. So, I mean, Austin, what do you say though? Though he's a good quarterback, though he's quality, was his? Did he run his time? Did he run I, his course? I, I, w- I would say. Um, yeah, I due to the circumstances just in Jacksonville. Yeah, in, due to the circumstances in Jacksonville, absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean you can't really argue that any any other way. But Blake Bortles, uh, I love you. I you know it it was time, but uh, I'm I'm ready for the boat to come back. Right, obviously. So we, we okay. need some boats out there. You know, hey, another great appetizer. <laughs> right. I enjoyed that. Now onto the big entree. The Steelers boys and all their drama, they've actually mm-hmm. found a home. Antonio Brown has officially went to the Oakland Raiders, and Le'Veon Bell plays for the Jets. They've been very civil about this. I think they have, Very too. weirdly civil about this, considering uh, well, how— Well, hold on. Post being traded. Yeah, that's what I was get, That's what yeah. I was saying. They've been weird about how—I mean, do you see Antonio Brown but billboards in Pittsburgh thanking fans? Really? Yeah. Wow, Isn't I would never have thought yeah, that. Yeah, neither would I. Isn't that— that's very odd, right? I don't think he has bill. I don't think he's buying billboards like Mike Tomlin. But. No, absolutely not. No, no, but. definitely not. But yeah, no, it's very odd because Antonio Brown, as you may have heard, has been traded to the Oakland Raiders, and it's it's an interesting thing because Antonio Brown, thirty years old, coming on thirty one, he's getting out of his prime, but he's an established receiver. It's what we've been talking about, even with the Odell stuff. Not as young, but obviously, I mean, when you have six straight seasons of 1,200 yards receiving and 10-plus touchdowns, people are going to want your value. Now, what they got him for is insane, and we talked about that last week and everything, but does this change anything with Oakland? I mean, we've seen them, you know, be so pitter-patter with how they're going to treat Derek Carr. Like, he is our quarterback. Ah, maybe not. I don't know. Oh, we'll look in the draft. Oh, we'll pick up these first-round picks. Oh, we might move up. Oh, no, he's our guy. And it changes every single week. If you're you're John Gruden, actually, you know what? No, because John Gruden's crazy. Jack, (laughs) if you're the head coach, if you are hired today the head coach of the Oakland Raiders, who's your guy? You know, I honestly think it's still Derek Carr. I, I'm actually a big Derek Carr fan, and I think that he's had to deal with some pretty mediocre talent around him. I agree him. with you. you know I think it's a very similar Bortles situation. Yeah, I think so too. And I think he's he's proven that he's he's a solid quarterback. He can win. He can play. And, you know, the thing about it, I know kind of the, the main debate right now is, you know, is this Kyler Murray? Is Kyler Murray going to come in? Whatever. And even, okay, you can even make the case. Oh, let's bump up Dwayne Haskins. But, you know, though Dwayne Haskins is young and doesn't seem like he has the full maturation. Kyler Murray might have the full maturation and just his skill and, and how he wants to accomplish himself. But he's definitely not a pass-heavy guy. We've talked about it 100 times. So why not just take a guy you have already and just work with him? Just absolutely hone Derek Carr. And he's still young. He's still got time. And I think he's a guy that can absolutely develop. You know, it's not like he's got his ways and they're done. It's not like it's Big Ben. We're like, oh, you can't really. Right. You know, yeah. can't. Can't what is it? Can't uh, old dog new tricks or whatever? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so exactly, it's not going to be like that. He's definitely able to change, and I think that you keep him and, and a guy who's been in the system who knows how it works and knows Oakland well. I think they could be really successful just with Derek. Carr. And I agree with you, but I think there's a couple of other things that are like huge factors in this that not a lot of people are remembering about it. I mean, Oakland is moving to Las Vegas. Yeah, you, you gotta point. fill. You that's gotta fill, you gotta fill seats, and who fi- who fills seats better in a stadium than a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback? Yeah, that's There's an interesting not, point. Not very many guys do that, and I don't know if Gruden's thinking that way because Gruden has established himself as a guy who hates draft picks. He hates young guys. Yeah. He wants. He wants draft picks for draft capital. Essentially, he mm. he he views them as money. He views them as monetary value. Yeah. He doesn't view them as character or player development. He just he views them differently than everyone else does. And I mean, kudos to him. I mean, you got to think of things differently in a league that has been established for a hundred years. So, 
when you look at John Gruden and what he wants to do, I think Derek Carr is the move. I think that's the person you want to go with, but it's so difficult to know what John Gruden wants to do next because, yeah. I mean, he traded Khalil Mack for first-round yeah. picks, but yeah. you know Khalil Mack was an established veteran. It didn't make any sense. And yeah. then he, he trades Amari Cooper, who was having troubles, but Amari Cooper turned out to be just fine. Yeah. So. It's, and then and then like they just released Jordy Nelson yesterday and nothing really makes sense because he's yeah. signing these guys and getting rid of them. Marshawn Lynch is still on the roster. Oh, is he? I don't know. It's like it, it's just weird yeah. what he's doing around the league. But I'm interested to see what this chemistry experiment will become with John Gruden. Right. But it's it it's interesting nonetheless. Well, I think at the end of the day, John, you better get Antonio Brown the ball. Right. Because yeah, not no. only does he you know want the ball, he needs it. Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of you're different... paying him too much money to not give him. That's the what ball. I'm saying. So so whoever you pick at quarterback or whatever weird decision you make, whether it's a left tackle playing quarterback, at least make sure he's trying to throw him the ball. What if they sign you up? They call you up today. Ah, uh, man, could you throw fades to Antonio Brown? Yeah, I could. Okay, that's I'm, I'm a purebred athlete, though. You are. That's fair. I'm a, I've seen your. I skill. am. I am a fat kid stuck in a skinny kid's body. That's true. And maybe I'll maybe I'll find my untapped potential. <laughs> okay, sticking with the Steelers, Le'Veon Bell. Went to the Jets. Absolutely. And Austin, I'll say it flat out. Unless there's something we don't know, like a moving piece that we w- that no one knows about outside this, does he even care about winning? Does he even care about anything other than money? Because this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Le'Veon Bell was in a great position where he could have won games, and he's, and he's a top back in the league, and he wants to go to the New York Jets, who really have no faith, just because he wants to get paid. I mean, this is ridiculous. I know, and like the thing that I'm thinking about is it's the old Jerry Maguire clip. clip. Show me the money. That's what yeah, he wants. Yeah. That's the only thing he cares about. I mean, it's it's very obvious to me that that is, I mean, it's dollar signs. That's all it is for Le'Veon Bell. There's not a lot of other things going on that he cares about. I mean, it, it's it's money, and honestly, all kudos to him. Like, I have nothing wrong with that from a business perspective because this dude, I don't think he loves football, but he understands how good he is at football and what his price tag is. If you were a great accountant, an amazing accountant beyond your years in being able to read numbers and read figures and being able to do that, wouldn't you do something to get paid as much as you could, even if you didn't love it? Of course, that's the answer for anybody out there in any, you know, any prospective job. There's, you know, they always tell you when you're growing up and stuff, oh, do something that you love, not something that you get paid a lot for. Well, that's not always the case when you have a lot of bills to pay. And to live the life that Le'Veon Bell loves to live, he needs a lot of money. And so I, I, I personally think that I'm totally fine with that. I don't care, but I think he just needs to come out and say it eventually because your teammates and stuff, when you're getting into the locker rooms and stuff, and they're like, hey, Le'Veon, we really need you to get this ball right now. We really need a touchdown. We, re- we need a big play. And you're just like, nah, man, not for me. I got my, che- my, I got my paycheck. Yeah. I'm good. You know, I think, I think that's an interesting point, but I think it's also hard because there's a difference between an account- and I know it's just an example, but there's a difference between an accountant no, no, and a I football agree. player. Yeah, no, I because agree. an accountant, or, you know, a lot of people in the working force, like you just, you kind of just have it. You got to put work in, but I mean, football is a different type of physical work and mental work you have to put in all the time in order to stay really good. Obviously, he's super talented and he's going to be really good, but I think there's a lot of effort that gets put in. And 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 don't get me wrong, money talks, and I think that's important. And I think from business move, make, getting more money, and even if it means you need to leave to get more money, I totally get that. But I just feel like, how far are you going to go? You know, how far. Yeah, would you take yeah. it just to get to get money? There's got to be some sort of quality of life or quality of football involved in this whole deal because, you know, like I mentioned before, 
the Steelers were they were right there. I mean, they were truly right there. And and now it's just kind of in shambles. And that kind of brings you to the next thing, Austin. You know, where does this leave the Steelers? And can, I mean, will they even make the playoffs in years to come? I don't think that they can. I don't think this year that they can because Ben Roethlisberger is always good to go at for two or three games, and it always feels like it's in the middle of the season during an important playoff push or in a couple of important games that they right. have to win to be able to move forward. And there's nothing that they can do about it. Like Baltimore is going to be able to come back and. You know, kind of beat the snot out of them because although they've lost a lot of guys, they've still added a couple of pieces that are good. We've already talked about Cleveland, the new look Cincinnati Bengals. They have uh, Zach Taylor as their yeah. their new head coach, yep. and he's an offensive wizard. I mean, he yeah. literally just came off the same staff as Sean McVay. You're expecting them to be good. Yeah, Andy Dalton might still be the quarterback, but it doesn't matter because you've got AJ Green back there, and you got Joe Mixon, and you got really good receivers across the board. This is a team in the Steelers that could go from first to fourth just as quickly as, you know, just about any team in this league has. Right. No, and I'm with you. I think that the Steelers, in my eyes, are not making the playoff, or, you know, I should say making a big playoff run. Yeah. Or even be close to where they were two years ago in Big Ben's career. I mean, this could have been an amazing following up year if they would have just got everything squared away. And now it's just been completely destroyed. And I think Big Ben's going to ride out his career and he's going to, you know, he's still going to finish as one of the greats and, and all that. But I mean, I think the Super Bowls are are done with him. I know they still have Juju, and I get that, but there's just a lot. There's a lot. Yeah, of pieces I mean, you could uh, you could argue that like James Conner and Juju are there, but right. like right now, Juju isn't the same player as Antonio Brown, and it's to be seen whether or not Juju can perform without Antonio Brown on the other side. Yep. Because I I love Juju Smith Schuster. Don't get me wrong, Juju, if you're out there listening, but to me, Antonio Brown helps. Yeah, absolutely. No, like Antonio Brown is when he's getting double covered almost every play, and you're taking single coverage. I mean. It's kind of hard to argue that you are the best receiver on your roster. Definitely, definitely. All right, Austin, our last little bit, the dessert. It's just a small dessert. I, I would say we're sweetening it up, but I don't know if we are. Yeah, it's it's you know, it's it's not. It's it's unfortunate, but it's on my mind. And so I, yeah. I, I figured it wanna be talked about. You know, Austin, just the effects of no of no Loper baseball. You know, how how does this change the overall athletics? I know that, you know, you and I as sports writers and people covering sports, you know, now we kind of fall into a dead period. There's still stuff going on, still tracks transitioning right, right, right now. Right. But you know, it is still a little bit of a dead period. And so um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, could this come back? Could baseball come back, make a pushback soon? Yeah, I mean, it's it could, but like right now it's just weird. It's um whenever there's lockouts or season strikes and stuff in professional sports, this is like what it feels like. But you always knew it was going to come back eventually. Right. Like you knew that a right. season would start or that another sports league would begin. Like right now, we're in the sports departments like waiting for UNK football. Right. And like spring football has never been bigger than it is now because UNK baseball always filled that void. I mean, yeah. you you know it. Like spring football was always second tier to UNK baseball yeah. during the spring. And that's fine. I mean, yeah. that's probably it's how it the, should be. I mean, it's their season. Yeah. It, and that's how it should be. But spring football is now the one thing we have going on. And yes, there's softball going on, but the softball team has been competitive, but they haven't always been competitive. And right. it's hard to get onto a team and hard to follow a team that hasn't always been there. So not having the baseball team around, I think that there's you would hope that there's potential for them to come back. There are still athletes and the coaches and stuff on on campus, but right. I think a lot of I think a lot of feelings are hurt, and it wasn't personal, but it it it, it feels personal. Yeah. It definitely does. Yeah. And I mean, we talked about it last year on the show, and yeah. y- you just you don't. This is a wound, and it's an open wound, and everyone's poking at it. And yeah. every day that there's not a baseball bat, you know, hitting a hitting a baseball, and there's yeah. not anyone in the cages or up at the practice facilities or anything. I mean, people are just poking at the wound more and more, and it hurts. I'm in one of Damon Day's classes, and mm. 
I I feel I feel for the guy. I really do because he he wasn't here to teach healthy wealthy wise. He wasn't here to teach sports officiating. He was here to coach a baseball program. Right. And he's not from Nebraska. He doesn't you know he's not a native, and that has to hurt. That yeah. I mean that has to hurt to. Well, to and, know and that. here here you know we we feel the effects. I mean you can only imagine what the coaches like day and day and and those players feel because you know some people either they've been here and they've kind of dedicated their time. To UNK baseball, right. or that you know they transferred in immediately just get booted out. Exactly. So, so it's just it's hard. And yeah, you can say from the outside perspective of like, well, they still get their scholarships, and so yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But they're not playing if, the game if, they love. If you were if you were on scholarship still for football, but weren't playing football, how would you feel? Yeah, I mean, it, you just you'd feel like something's been taken away from you. Exactly. Like, like you know, scholarships are important, and it's what people care about. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to still love the game, and people come because right. they love football, or they love whatever sport they play. So, I don't know. Austin, here's my question for you that I've been thinking about, too. You know, do you think that it'd be not not only financially feasible, but everything to maybe start intramurals would be hard, but maybe like a club baseball team? I mean, these are things that te- that people do. I mean, Creighton, right. who has a soccer team, has actually a very good club soccer team. Right. Nebraska baseball, successful. They have a Nebraska club baseball team. So, you know, is this possible for UNK to possibly do? Well, those enrollments are also three or four or five times larger no, than, than that's kind of why I'm asking. And I think that's the thing you have to realize, too, is, yeah, we could push for a club organization and stuff, but first off, who would we, pl- who would we play? Right. You know, do we do we fit into Big Ten schools, Big East schools, like schools that Creighton and UNK, or right. UNL are playing? Because I have a couple of friends from my high school that play on club teams in Lincoln, and they're traveling to Kansas State. They're traveling yeah. to Chicago. They're traveling all over the place. Is it feasible to be able to do this? You would hope so. You would hope that someone would be able to sponsor you'd hope that something like that would work out but I think it's tough and honestly I don't even know the club baseball scene I don't I don't know if there's anything there and I the last thing that I really want to touch on here Jack before we get into break is some of these guys that are, were for the Laper, Loper baseball team or guys that were coming into the program or expected to come in, they have played tremendously well. Ty Roseberry yeah. from Kearney is playing for the Huskers right yeah. now and is expected to be one of their better swingers yeah. on, on the mound. I mean, he's doing a fantastic job. And I, one of the guys from my high school, Lane Harvey, was transferring in from Moorhead State, and he couldn't come here anymore. He's yeah. now at Washburn, and he is starting in their lineup right now yeah. for Washburn. I mean, these are talented guys that – didn't have a home anymore, and yep. so you can't blame them. And unfortunately for the guys that weren't talented enough to find another school or didn't have enough tape out because they you know, came out of recruitment and got recruited only by Carney, they're just done. And yeah. that's worse than graduating without playing, honestly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's there's nothing worse than Definitely. that. So now we're um, going to take a break here, but we'll open our hot topics and our phone lines. Now we'd like to mention right now during one of our hot topics, we will be bringing up the best duos and trios to not win a title in their time. That could be across college, professional, any sport really that you can think of. Feel free to text Jack and I if you have our number. If not, call into our phone line at 308-865-8217. We'll be back with our hot topics right after the break.
listening to the blue and gold standard on 91.1 klpr now back to the studio with austin and jack welcome back to the blue and gold standard here on 91.1 klpr i'm austin jacobs and joined here by big mac jack mcclay and our hot topics are open and our phone lines are open as well 308 865-8217 once again we will be touching on the best duos and trios to not win a championship in their time together. So feel free to text either Jack and I if you have our numbers. You can hit us up on Instagram. Slide into those DMs if you'd like to. If not, you can call into our phone line once again, 308-865-8217. Now, Nebraska basketball, maybe the hottest team in the league right now. Let me tell you, the Big Ten tournament isn't ready for the 155 matchup of Nebraska versus Wisconsin. Initial thoughts, Jack? I mean, Austin, this is ridiculous. I mean, being a a Nebraska basketball fan and, and watching this whole season transpire is truly unbelievable like I cannot believe that they've made these moves and and kind of how I compared it to it sounds it's like playing a video game like 2k or or man whatever when you're the worst team and you're and you know and, and you see the ratings in front of you and you're like okay these guys are way better I'm gonna have to really like play smart and I, you know you can't just do whatever because you think you're better and I honestly think that's happening you know they have six scholarship players right now they're kind of like all right guys we're not better than the, we're not better than these. No, teams. absolutely. No, we, I agree. They are one hundred percent more talented than us. We need to play smart and be efficient about this. And they really have risen up, and it's impressive. And now they, we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. They have a game today. They do, but I'll let you talk. And about I, that. I mean, they play a ranked Wisconsin team, a team that they've played competitively with in the past. But we didn't even think Nebraska was going to be here. They beat Rutgers on Wednesday with eight guys on the roster. They're doing a seven-man rotation with eight people, and they played Maryland yesterday, which no one thought they could win that yeah. one. And they they were controlling the game for most of the game. Granted, Maryland's a good team. Give them credit. They came back. But they beat 
they beat Maryland. I mean, this is the second time this season that they played Maryland and yeah. beat them out of you know out of PBA. Now they play Wisconsin today. It's going to be a tougher matchup, but you could argue Nebraska matches up a lot better with them than they did Maryland yesterday. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair point. And I think that you know when they beat Rutgers, like okay, that was the what twelve thirteen game, like a little bit more obvious. Good for them. Glad they had a little spark. Now they're just going to get boomed on by Maryland. And then they defeat them. So it's like, you want to say, this seems so unlikely. And, and it maybe will be, but but you really can't count it out at this point. Well, I, I think one person we should start to count out on the Nebraska basketball roster is... Uh, Don't you dare. Johnny Trueblood. Oh. I am tired of seeing hyped up Johnny Trueblood on my Twitter feed. I don't need to see it. Okay, uh, go ahead and tell me why you don't, you're not... Johnny gonna- Trueblood beat Sydney, Nebraska High School... <laughs> In the 2015 state championship game, he didn't even play that well. We just went one for 26 from three-pointer. It wasn't our fault. We just weren't getting our shots down. And Johnny Trueblood looks like me right now. He's got the love handles and beer gut that I do, and he's just as athletic as I am, and he plays plays in quotation marks for the Nebraska <laughs> basketball team. He missed a wide open layup yesterday, but luckily it got a technical foul or off off ball foul called. So he didn't look like an idiot out there. And I'm tired of seeing how everyone is showing these stats like, oh, we're plus 38 no, in productivity <laughs> when he's on the court. Dude doesn't even play that much and he should never play. And I, I love the fact that the media, the national media is like, well, Tim Miles, why hasn't uh, Johnny Trueblood played more? And Tim Miles just has to look them straight in the face and just honestly not have the audacity to just be like because he's an awful basketball player that's why oh man you're awesome i'm got, heated austin's got the arthur fist he's triggered i am okay roast me jack yeah i will here first of all this is <laughs> point ridic- number one this is ridiculous that you have you're like salty and that's why that's why you it's should, a, i will admit it's a personal vendetta it, it, more or less that's is. why you don't want i mean it's it's uh, he's it doesn't matter if he's scoring a bunch of points or First of all, he's you are not as equally athletic as him. I am. I, you and I have basketball theory together, and you are not as athletic as him. So. I never said that I was athletic. That's why I'm saying he's not as, as, as athletic as He plays as, for a Division One team, Austin. How can plays. You, uh, he's been playing the last three games. Can you Actually, four games. Can you prove that wrong? No. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, and yes, I, get, I know what you mean. In a real normal organization <laughs> with not this absolute hecticness coming hecticness. around. Hecticness. That <laughs> might be a word. I don't know. But either way, I understand what you're getting at. But still, at the end of the day, he's playing well. He does a lot of things offensively and defensively that are good for the offense. I'll give him credit. That rebound at the end of the Maryland game made me like him a little bit. But he's still got a long way to go. And I know Johnny Trueblood out there, I know you don't care about me. I know me on the voice of 91.1. <laughs> I know you're not listening. But if you if you want to talk about this, feel free. My Instagram DMs are always open. I will hit you up with a Twitter follow. We'll do what we need to do so we can overcome this bridge that yeah, is between I, us. I hope you guys can figure it out because in my eyes, he's the truth. Okay, fine. Oh, you're Johnny the truth. He'd be a better WWE star. I would watch him if he went to the WWE because that's a that's a beautiful name to have as a wrestling star. True, true blood. That's true. Come on, that'd be that's fantastic. True. He could break people over his knee. That'd be awesome. I'd watch. All right. So moving on again, our hot topics and our phone lines still open. 308-865-8217. Feel free to call in. We'll chat about anything on your mind in sports and we'll give our thoughts on anything you've got going on. But right now in the NBA, LeBron 
And his value in the NBA, it seems to be diminishing week by week, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. You can say it really any duration of time, right. but LeBron has went from being the most valuable player on any roster where anyone would trade for him in a heartbeat to maybe potentially being not the center of a franchise piece anymore. And Jack, I know you followed LA LeBron and LeBron in Cleveland and, you know, the big three in Miami and the banana boat incident and all the other stuff that he's been a part of, right. but... How did that? How did how did we get here? You know, it's it's what we've kind of mentioned, in, and I think our first episode. I mean, LeBron is getting old, and and here's the thing: Facts. he is he is a product. He, he's you don't he doesn't you don't plug him into a system. He, he's not just a nice addition to a team. It's him, and then you create everything around it. And how it looks in his career, other than I guess the Miami Heat with those two, which obviously. You know, but he was still the guy. No, I'm if, saying if like, Miami had Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, that's a good team. But because as soon as LeBron went, it was LeBron's team. Well, and that's even how then, it's always they still been. didn't win their first year. It's, it's right. always a project with them. And so I, I think that it just it takes time to get him to, to fit LeBron's style to his team and everything about it. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I think that's the style it should take. He's the best basketball player in the world. You should absolutely revolve around him. But LeBron doesn't have time to be traded anymore. This, right. in my opinion, is his last spot. No doubt, because because he doesn't have time to build anywhere else. So hopefully he can get the pieces to come around him in his, I don't know, five-year career, six-year. Yeah. I bet he plays till he's 40. Well, and in my eyes, if LeBron gets traded anywhere he doesn't want to be, he's just going to retire. What does he exactly, care? I mean, exactly. That's like, what I mean. That, that's why I think he has no trade value. I don't think anybody wants him because it's LeBron's league and everyone else's. I mean, that's the way it's always been, and that's the way it's going to be until right. he retires. You can't say that about Vince Carter. You can't say that about Dirk. You can't say that about really any other player. Dwayne Wade's the same way. You can't say that about anyone else. Dwayne Wade got traded back to Miami after he signed with right. Chicago. I mean, right. that's just how it works in this league. Yeah. LeBron is the exception. Michael Jordan felt like he was the exception, but even Michael didn't have that type of leeway. I mean, he went to Washington because Chicago didn't want him back. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where you know, he's he's still equally as valuable to his team and everything, but it's just you don't he doesn't have the time frame. It's and I think LeBron knows that. I mean, he signed a 4-year deal. He he took a chance to go to LA and sign a 4-year deal. Why would he do that? Why would he why would he lock himself into that? to that situation if he didn't probably believe that he was going to be there for the rest of his career. And not to mention that when he said he was getting traded, that it wasn't about him. It wasn't about, you know, it was about his family. And, and he didn't have, you know, a little girl and, and all this and, and grown-up sons back when he was making these decisions in Miami. So so let's take a look at our next hot topic before we got our – my phone is blowing up right now, so we better get to our trios and duos here in a little bit. But our last point for NCAA basketball, Zion. He's back, baby. And what what are your thoughts on that? I mean, he's already dominated one game. Is is Duke going to win the Natty? You know, I mean, I it, it's I had a conversation with a guy today, and someone asked, you know, who who do you got as your favorite? And I said, you know, is it too obvious to just say Duke? I mean, you never know what can happen. You you really can never know what happens in the NCAA tournament. But they are just an absolute powerhouse, and Zion does not look like he was phased. In my personal opinion, I don't think Zion was that hurt. I think Zion, if it was like a, a do-or-die situation, could have probably played the next yeah, game. Yeah, probably. I, I mean, agree, he would have been hurt, whatever, and I think that they've been holding him out longer because I think Coach Krzyzewski's smart enough to be like, listen, you know, we want to we win games now. We want to win the ACC tournament, but as long as we just make sure he's healthy, we're going to win the Natty. Yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those things where, yeah, I think they've obviously had some weird there's some question marks, but what's the difference between a one and a two seed? That's what I'm saying. And 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 it, what's the difference between a one and a ten seed when your team is Duke with three stars? Right. You know? Yeah. It, it's it's pretty irrelevant. They're going to win the games. They're going to win anyway. So I don't know. I I think that it, it doesn't matter about his injuries or what's been going on. And here's a question I don't actually know, and I don't know if you do either. <laughs> Did he wear like 
The yeah, same he wore shoes? The, no, he wore Kyrie's this uh, time. Okay, yep, he wore Kyrie's. I, I was gonna say, I'm sure that was a huge debate yep. that no ESPN, more PGs, ESPN or whatever was so uh, you know consumed about was what shoes. I'm telling you, wearing. I'm telling you, he's the new he's the new LeBron. He's uh, everything he does. Everyone's gonna worry about. Oh, did the LeBron donate money to a school for the blind children? Oh, but he didn't donate to the deaf kids. <laughs> whatever. Um, okay, we're gonna move into our next uh, hot topic, the one we've been pre-gaming for this whole time. So the best duos and trios to not win a title. It can be in any sport. We're going to go through a couple of them right now. I've got some ones that I've hit up on my phone line. My brother Andrew texting from his work down in Bow on the farm. I'm sure Grandpa Jake helped him out with this one. I would like to see if you know this one, Jack. The 1969 uh, all the way to the 1974 Minnesota Vikings defensive line. Purple people eaters. Oh, I don't think so. Don't really know him? Okay, no. so Carl, it was Carl Eller. You've got, um, uh, not Joe Green. Oh, what's his name? I'm losing it. Jim Marshall. Okay. you got Jim Marshall on there. Two Hall of Famers in the same defensive line. They also had uh, Alan Page, who was a Hall of Famer as well. And you've got another rotational defensive tackle that I can't remember the name of off the top of my head. But this was a fantastic defensive line unit. This would be basically this year's equivalent of having Nadam Kinsu, Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, and being able to you know pull off, I don't know, Von Miller, all right. in the same defensive right. line. That is the team that they had. Couldn't get it done. Won multiple NFC titles. Went four in a row couldn't win any of them. And they had a good offense, too. Fran Tarkenton, Hall of Fame quarterback, right. just couldn't win the big ones. And that that's a big one right there. And you're going to hear this multiple times while we go. One that we had down from yesterday at our production meeting and one that I've been texted is Allen Iverson and Carmelo, or really any Carmelo yeah. team and those Nuggets. They yeah. just they couldn't get it done. And I know that's that's a frustrating one because they were a great team to watch. Right, and that was kind of a surprising one, too. When Allen Iverson got traded there, remember when he demanded a trade, it was kind of like, oh, he kind of ended up in Denver like, that's a decent look. Like, he and Carmelo might have some issues, though, because Carmelo's kind of the young face, and Allen Iverson's a big personality. And they meshed quick. I mean, they were a good basketball team, and those two just put up some serious numbers. So the fact that they really never won, and I understand, you know, you got to have a lot more moving pieces, but with that much talent, it was very, very surprising. I've got a couple, too. Uh, Corey Horlick, a longtime listener, had a couple. He actually sent me a book of all of them. So we have Randy Moss and Tom Brady, Drew Brees and Jimmy Graham. Uh, Drew Brees and Jimmy Graham. Yeah. That's a that's – an- that's an interesting one. I know. That's one I hadn't thought yeah. about. Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. That That's that's a good one right there. I think his best one that I've seen so far is J.J. Watt and Antonio Brown in college because they went to the same college. Yeah, but they didn't really go to the same college, though. J.J. Watt was only there for like a year, and then he went to Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah. Hey, but I mean, talent. I mean, yeah. I know no, you Corey, mean that. Corey, you're right. No, don't. I don't want you to get mad at me. I mean, yeah. We are. And and one of his final ones was Cole Manhart and Tyke Koshal for UNK. <laughs> <laughs> which is which I have a I'm a big fan of that one. And he really harped yeah. on. Another one came from Melissa Hirschman and oh. said the best duo to never win a championship, Allie and Melissa Hirschman, Millard South High School, twenty thirteen girls soccer. Okay. So, I, I honestly don't know the stats on that team. We'd have to look it up. I need to see the film to see if they were up there. But I, I've I've read some records and I've okay. it seems like they're okay. Uh, Fair enough. They're really they're really big time. Now but. I've got I've got a couple more out here. Um what are your thoughts on this one? Nineteen ninety nine, you've got the Minnesota Vikings with their fantastic offense. I mean, that's a legendary offense. People, right. say it was Randy Moss's rookie year. Um, Randy Moss, Chris Carter, and you had Randall Cunningham at quarterback. That's a that's yeah. a, that's a dang good team. No, that's, a, that's a trio or duo, really, if you want to go with that. Um, you've got this. This is also a big one. Although you could you could argue that they had won the title previously, but the 2005 USC team. Right. In total. Right. I mean, Corey mentioned that one as yeah, well. Yeah, and that, that's a team unit right there. I mean, but 
I, I would I would almost disclude that from this conversation just because they had won the title with almost the same nucleus. Yeah, of the team that's kind of that's why I I left it out because but, I think that's but it's true. But but to you know Andrew was the one who brought it up for me as well as you know Corey bringing it up too. To their credit, that would have been the greatest college football team of all time. Right. I mean, it, people would argue the two thousand five. Trojans, the 2001 Hurricanes, and the 95 Huskers as the three best teams of all time. Right. And so, you know, kind of moving down our list, a couple of the duos that we had pre these people talking to us, we had Gary Payton and Sean Kemp, Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming, which I think that one is really, really surprising because Yao Ming, though, you know, he really did drop off pretty quickly. But when he was in his prime, he was truly unstoppable. And you'd never really seen, you right. know, a seven six. You never and and that much skill, I should say. Uh, you know, another one, Philip Rivers and Ladanian Tomlinson, and then that's you, a big one for me. Yeah. I mean, I mean, when you grew up out west, and w- when we were, I mean, we watched Denver sports all the time. But San Diego was one of the best teams in the league for quite a while, and they just uh, they started to slowly fall off the map, and it became more of a throwing team with Norwich Ferner. But Ladanian Tomlinson was unreal when yeah. he was in his prime. There yeah. was no better running back in the league than Ladanian. I agree. You know, moving on, even with the NBA, and this one can it's kind of a multitude. Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire, but in my opinion. That whole team, you look at that entire lineup, Steve Nash, Rajah Bell, Boris Diaw, uh, Sean Marion, Amari Sodmar, and then uh, Leandro Barbosa coming off the bench. I mean, that is an absolute—I got to watch them live, right. and they were an absolute And powerhouse. all those guys started in multiple teams yeah. across the league. A lot of those guys had other opportunities, but never go- as good of opportunities as they had there. Yeah, I mean, they were—they seriously were— an unbelievable team. And then the last duo that I think you and I agreed. It hurts the most. It it hurts the most, and it's the most valid is Penny and Shaq. I mean, they made a 30 for 30 on it. Right. I mean, there's, there's no, there's not another one that you can argue that is more deserving than those two. I mean, that it's, and it's in the basketball terms where there's two of the five players out there. It was Penny and Shaq and there was nobody else. Yeah. Oh, I, it's, it's one of those things. And if, if Shaq would have just held out a little longer and, and what's so sad about Penny and Shaq is it was outside stipulations that, that pulled them apart. Right. it wasn't, you know, I think, and they even admit it, like, if we just would have sat down and had a direct conversation with each other, they would have been able to hash it out. But at these outside sources and, and people pulling in different directions is is really what, what drove Shaq out of there and, and kind of ruined them all. Now, for some more trios out there, the I mean, the obvious reasons why we're doing this is because the Steelers' killer bees are now officially done. You got Bell, Brown, and Ben, and all you've got left is Ben. And you could argue that maybe, you know, Connor, uh, uh, what's it? I even forgot his name. Running back. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're talking yeah, about. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. James Conner. There you go. James Conner, the running back, and Juju Smith-Schuster. They could arguably maybe get back up there, but it's going to take a while, and yeah. they're not as talented and outright. I don't think Big Ben has enough time for that. Uh, yeah, obviously. And then, right. I mean, the most obvious one in the sense of it is the OK3. You're going to – I mean, that's, the, in my eyes, one of the biggest well, correct trios. correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't that three MVPs? Like, they've all won yep. an MVP they've title an individually. MVP. Yep. And, is, I mean, they've uh, all broken records in multiple ways. Uh, Durant has went on to win titles, and they're all in the Western Conference playing and butting heads against each other. Yeah. They would have just – and it, that's another thing. It wasn't because of them. That's the thing. And you could argue that, yeah, well, obviously KD left to go to the Warriors to chase rings, but you could argue that because James Harden left, he left – you know, he left Oklahoma City because of that reason. Yeah. Because it got significantly harder to work with Russ, and it got significantly harder to win titles when James Harden wasn't there. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's one of those things that you never know. I mean, maybe maybe they just would have never gelled. Maybe they really are their own players, and and their personalities might show that. But I mean, if you can somehow lock them in together, like how the Warriors have locked themselves in together, it's it's truly unbelievable. And, and I have a hold on. I got a quick shout out. A couple. Uh, Corey Holick comes in again. Avid listener. And this one, you know what? Call it what you want. This is a great point. Tim Tebow and Aaron Hernandez. Like, (laughs) I mean, call it what you want. 
But Riley tr- Cooper and Aaron Hernandez. Come on, give the real shout out. Yeah, no, I mean that could even be a trio then. But I mean <laughs> seriously, it, it's it's a sore subject for some people. But I mean they really were dominant. It, it's it's true. Right. And I got one from uh, Lee Jacobson. You know okay. he's not Sergeant Lee Jacobson anymore. No, but yep. we've got uh, the '84 Huskers. You got Turner Gill. Uh, Mike Rozier and Irving Fryer. Irving Fryer was the oh, number yeah. one pick in the draft yeah. that year. Turner Gill uh, receives Heisman votes. And, of course, Mike Rozier won the Heisman. Yeah. And they couldn't get it done in the 84 championship game. Of course, we're not going to talk about that in case any old people are listening. Right, they get right. sad. But another big one, um, we got – this is my favorite one, and this isn't a trio or duo by any means, but uh, the 1980 uh, Russian hockey team. Definitely took, oh, a, wow. took a big L there. Now, could I pronounce any of the names on that team? Absolutely not. So we're not going to do that right. out of respect for the out Soviet Union. But uh, y- you understand that there are lots and lo- We could go on forever about these, yeah. but really it's a matter of perspective because are we going to say the OK3 are on the same level of not winning a championship as Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan are? Okay. You could argue yeah. that, but for me, I mean, you you value everything differently, and everyone is broken up into different ways. When you had Chris Paul and Blake Griffin tweeting out emojis and flying down to DeAndre Jordan, right. it shows how important that player is to that franchise. Right. And in the OK3, you never had that, and we never had that amount of drama or anything, because when James Harden got traded, it didn't feel like a big deal until it was too late. Yeah. And I think more clarity you know, years pass, as years pass, makes these trios and duos a lot more valuable. That's why we view Penny and Shaq a different way than we view, you know, Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire. There's a reason for that because Amari and Steve Nash, two completely different players, and it turns out Amari's career just went down the tubes after a while, and Steve Nash is still revered in in a certain way. But Penny and Shaq have lived on in infamy for so long because of the just – wonder if what they could have done if they stuck together. Yeah, totally agree. And so, and another, a couple more shout-outs. We actually have a discussion from Melissa Hirschman. She texted, she wants to discuss about a couple things, but our last shout-out, Carson Walters, for a solo, not a duo, not a trio, a solo, Dan Marino. He was the only player to beat the 85 Bears with a mediocre team around him. He shattered the records in that year, throwing 5,000 yards and 48 touchdowns. Peyton Manning didn't break his touchdown record until 2004, and Drew Brees didn't break his uh, overall yards until 2011. So clearly just an absolute dominant force and just was not able to get it done. And I know football is different. you got to have a lot more moving pieces than one. But but the way that the offenses have changed, it's incredible that that record stood for as long as it did. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And so moving on to our discussion, Melissa Hirschman, who we talked about, was one of the best duos with Allie Hirschman. Oh, absolutely. She wanted to discuss... I feel like Melissa carried the team, though. I think so, too. You know, on, yeah. honestly. No. But she was obviously she was, she the was older. She was yeah, older. I mean, so it is what it is. It but. makes sense. So, Austin, I guess I'll kind of pitch it to you, and we can talk back, back and forth. She's a huge Chiefs fan. Big Chiefs fan. And just your thoughts on them si- signing Tyron Matthew. Just to kind of educate ourselves. Okay. He's had an interesting history, I guess you could say. But kind of, you know, how do you think that's going to affect the Chiefs? And, and, and where do you think they're going to lie, maybe, in their end result? Well, Tyron Matthews is an interesting character because he is one of the most athletic players on the field at any time. And right. you can't argue that in any sense because he runs faster and he hits harder and he, you know, he he can cover more ground than just about any other DB in the league. There's only a select few that can do it. Though. His problem is and what it's always been, he's 5 foot 7 and the Honey Badger don't care and the Honey Badger's yeah. not afraid of anything and he'll go in and he'll make plays. He played three snaps on the D-line last year for the Houston Texans, which yeah. they have a pretty good defensive line in case you were, you know, not <laughs> right, paying attention right. at home, but he uh, he's a guy that you can put just about anywhere. I think it's a great move because you needed a guy like that in Kansas City to 
if, if you're not going to stop everybody and you don't want to if you're Kansas City, you want turnovers. Get me the ball right. back as soon as possible right. because Patty Mahomes is going to put up 35 every game. So get the hunting badger out there and just say, hey, man, fly around, rip the ball out, go make plays, get an interception, yeah. be a free roamer out there. And that's what he plays best. He was restricted in Houston. He was not as restricted in Arizona. And he played at an all-pro level in Arizona when he had that ability to do so. Well, and I think Tyron Matthew brings a little bit of, of leadership as as well as wisdom. I mean, Which we never thought we would say exactly, about Tyron Matthew. 100%. We never that, thought we'd what I'm say saying. that. About. You know, you think with his history and how he acts, and, you know, he is that freelance player, but he really does have a lot of wisdom behind him. When you, when you see his tweets and you see his posts and, and, and press conferences, he really has a good head on his shoulders, and I think he would provide a lot of leadership and, and just overall betterment of the Kansas City defense, which, as we know, struggled last year. And so I think it, I think it's a great great piece to bring in. And a dude that's grown up exponentially in what you know he hopes to be able to give back to the guys who are at the Cleveland now, his former LSU teammates. And and the last one before we hit the break, Corey Holick has been blowing up my, my line goodness. about the, uh, one of the best duos is Connor Baronic and Trey Landsman. Two All-Americans. Tooth Lopers. I mean, I think it's an interesting okay. play. Okay, yeah. Obviously, as we've, we've mentioned a million times, there's a lot of moving pieces, but right. I mean, I think he almost demanded that I, right. I put that one oh, out. And also, but I think it's true. Also, shout out to Trey Lansman. Got an invite to the Pro Day from Nebraska. That's Trey awesome. You know, great athlete. Yeah. Better than Johnny Trueblood. All right, oh, we're going to go wow. to a break here. Uh, we'll be back in just a little bit. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with some of our favorite segments of the week, the Scandal Injury of the Week, as well as our buzzer beaters. You're listening to the Blue and Gold Standard here on 91.1 KLPR. Break's over. This is the Blue and Gold Standard on 91.1 KLPR, and we'll lob it over to Jack and Austin to finish up the show. Thanks, Ford. Appreciate that. And we're going to move into some of our favorite segments of the week, and starting with 
The sound of the police. Cops. You know what that is. Oh, it's yeah. our scandal of the week. One of our Boom. favorite parts of the show every single week. And Jack, it's been an interesting week in sports so far. And your scandal of the week involves one of my favorite teams. Yeah. And it's a little sketchy. But anyway. It's a little Clay, scary. <laughs> Clay Thompson calls out the Warriors fans and then doesn't end up apologizing. But Soft. he was quoted saying, I expect our crowd to be a little more into it, Thompson said. Like, I know it's not the playoffs, but it's our last go around at Oracle. At least you could stand up or something when we make a good play. Oh, my God. And he went on to talk about energy and everything, and then he ends up apologizing. But I thought this was interesting for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think that is the biggest cop-out and the biggest excuse. I agree. Well, you need, I you, agree. I need cheering to play good at, to play better at basketball. Like, come on. First of all, that's dumb. And I know that he didn't mean this, but it, it was interesting. It's our last go-round at Oracle, which that kind of raises my question to you, Austin. Two parts. A- is this Clay Thompson's last go-round at Oracle with the Warriors? And B, is this the Warriors' last go-round as the absolute powerhouse that they are? Well, the Warriors are getting a new arena. That's why he said that. I understand. No, okay. I, I, I'm saying yeah. it made me— Well, it, it's— It put in my head like, oh, wow, like, all last, right. last go-round. All right, it. Stephen A. Smith, <laughs> Jack, why don't you stop trying to grab headlines out here and just read the facts, all right? Nope. Clay Thompson is—he's not going anywhere. Okay? Oh, are you sure? He, and if he is, he didn't mean it in that comment. I mean, I you're under- looking too much into that. No, I understand. I'm saying it—it ma- it got my mind thinking. Oh, yeah, that's fair. interesting. Yeah. So then I'm giving you. A I separate- don't want to follow your thought track. I know. I mean, so it I'm doesn't make you- any sense. So this is two separate questions that spin <laughs> off that. Well, I'll tell you right now. First off, I completely agree with you. If you can't play with no one in the stands and you can't play one on one against somebody or just play five on five, you don't love basketball enough, and you're just—you're just not in that sometimes. Yeah. You know, sometimes basketball. Spoiled. They're probably honestly right. spoiled. Yeah, and honestly, that's that's what I was going to say is that the Warriors have been spoiled for so long. They had the best home crowd before they were the Warriors. Yeah. They would sell out almost every time when they were just getting into the playoffs. And now that they're three-time world champions or two-time, gonna be or, going to you be know, whatever. How I lost count, you know. But um, it's you do get spoiled and you forget how the how the glow up and the come up was, you know, for for these guys. But you would think Clay of all of them would not forget something yeah. like that. He's been been totally. a, he, he's been a warrior since the beginning, and he's he was been through it through the rough times, and yeah. now in the good times. And I'm disappointed in the fact that he would say something like that because warrior fans through and through, except for a lot of the bandwagoners out there, they're some of the best fans in the league. I mean, they're some of the most knowledgeable fans. They understand the game, and the ones that go and sell out that arena are fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you can't you can't argue that, and it's in a very very rich area in San Francisco that you wouldn't expect to see such a ravenous crowd, honestly, right. but. I, it, it is what it is. So Yeah. All right, Austin, hit us with your scandal. All right, man. so mine, we had a lot of fans had trouble on the court this past week, and it, it brought up some interesting points in my head, and my scandal is, you know, first and foremost, I mean, the biggest scandal of the week for, with fans is beer was spilled on courtside for Dallas and Denver. I mean, how can you have that happen? First off, what are you spilling a beer for? I mean, you paid like eight yeah, bucks for it. On. It was a course because it was come in on. Denver. That's a total party foul. I know, right? And, like, if you're sitting courtside, why are you even, like, what are you doing that you're spilling yeah. a beer unless it got knocked out of your hand which i understand happens you gotta have a firm grip on that thing right though. you know iron grip but probably the real scandal of the week is russell westbrook and the utah jazz yeah fans. Oh that my was crazy goodness. that was absolutely insane. I, I don't like i haven't looked all that much into it but holy cow how how does that even happen you know and yeah. we had talked about it before and we had considered making it a hot topic we might in future segments but the the fans in the nba have such a more personal connection to the players that play on the court than compared to the NFL. Like, how many times have we seen NFL players go and confront someone in the stands? It's more apparent now 
We've seen it the past couple of times, but I think that's with the influx of cameras and more people trying to like incite someone else to try to get them to do something wrong. And we've seen Golden Tate jump in the stands. We've seen Earl Thomas jump in the stands. We've seen a couple of Seahawks players, you know, uh, squabble with opposing fans. But in the NBA, it's every day. They're sitting five feet from you where you are performing in a basketball game. Joel Embiid will dive into the stands to go after yeah. a loose ball. It's much more personal. And the biggest thing, too, it's the same thing with marketing. You can't see the faces of an NFL player because yeah. of their helmets. Yep. But you can see, I mean, in the terms of sports, NBA players are almost naked out there on the court. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And it's one of those things where, you know, I think, I think it comes, I've thought a lot about this, and I think it just comes down to basketball is more of an emotional and influential game. In football, they're farther away. I mean, you could you can still make Have you ever had issues with that? Even I mean, at Creighton Prep? I mean, class no, A schools I feel like are crazy. Right. right. And and people are loud and, and it's it's you get that, but I mean you don't hear what they're saying other than noises. So it's cr- not personal. That's what I'm saying. Crowds play effects and, and you can be like, okay, well what about hockey? They're right there and and, and that's kind of a, a whatever excuse. Like, yeah, I know there's glass, but you could definitely play an effect. But I think that I think that fans affect basketball more than any other sport. Like like a fan or, or a player interacting with a fan can affect the game a thousand times more than any other sport because that's just how it is. That's and maybe it's that up close and personal, and maybe that's just the dynamic of people who play it. But I just think that when you when it comes to overall, like what, like how can the fans sway a game? Basketball in my eyes is is number one because wait, real last thing I'll say, baseball. They're they're arguably right there too. I mean, there are no fans in baseball though. So I mean, uh, yeah, but there's but there's there's fans. On top of the yeah. dugout, no, yeah, I mean, you're right. Right there, it's right. Not like it's not like they're super far away, and if they're not, they're still in yelling distance where they can hear you. And the game's slow and quiet, so it's not like they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna hear every word you said. Well, and I mean, NBA basketball players are almost on the same level as pedigree as you know professional rappers and professional music artists because they, I mean, they all have Twitters, they all have Facebook accounts, they all have Instagrams and stuff. Anything that you post, I mean, I've seen people use Instagram posts from their posts of like their ex-girlfriends or something like that that they have kept up on their profile people will make fatheads of them and hold them up during free throws like you don't see that in football because no football player looks into the stands at west corner 13a and sees that but if you're right underneath the hoop you can see that the entire game and you can't get by it and just like you were saying i think it's interesting that we've had we have two different points when it comes to clay thompson's view on the fans and like the entirety of the fans the Mm fan um you know, group as a whole, whereas fans individually or more specifically, and it's just so personal, and that's really the only way you can put it. Well, and just to kind of touch on people who who haven't really, you know, who didn't hear the story, I guess, or they haven't looked it up, Russell Westbrook got in a really pretty heated altercation with a fan and said, I mean, had a lot of swear words involved and said, you know, you know, I'm going to F this, F that at, at, a, at a guy and his wife and everything, and, and what had happened is that Allegedly, the fan was was saying racial stuff to him, and it was just a bad altercation, a very personal just altercation. Just demeaning him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and and you've seen this too with with Marcus Smart, right? When he yeah. played Oklahoma State, and and just the interactions there, and another kind of a racist deal. So, it is one of those things where it's just and Ron Artest. I mean, the most yeah, obvious one yeah, where he just exactly, went after a dude. Exactly. And, I mean, no one really knows what happened in that situation, but that's the most obvious and apparent one that we can remember. Yeah, hundred percent. That's. Yeah, and then I guess moving into our injury of the week, Jack, I mean, we talked about Nebraska ball already, but, you know, this is a different look team, and Johnny Trueblood's out there for a reason. It's because half the team's injured. Exactly. So my injury of the week is is Nebraska's entire team. Amir Harris has a torn <laughs> has a torn meniscus. Thomas Allen has a current ankle injury he's probably not going to return from. And in the middle of the year, Isaac Copeland has a torn ACL. I, I mean, obviously these are in the past. This isn't of the week, but it's showing its effects the most now. As we've talked about, they have, you know, six guys on scholarship and playing and, and active. I mean, it's... 
it's unbelievable to see what they've done with so, with so such little they've had. Right. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, it, it will always ask that question. You know, what if they were full strength? Where would they be? I mean, and they I, would have went 500. Uh, Tim Miles would have kept him on. I mean, board. They, I He's think, a Jeff Fisher of Big Ten basketball. I think that <laughs> I think they would have slipped a little bit when they did. I mean, they were starting to slip when he got hurt. Right. Yeah. But I mean. You don't lose to Penn State. You can also, I mean, Copeland helps you out that you can get a bucket, just get the ball in his hands, and just be like, "Hey, we're on a we're on a drought right now. Right now, we need two points." And that's, you could get them the ball. And that's be what fine. I mean. The close games are, they are what they are, but they're not going to lose to teams like Penn State. They're not going to get blown right. out and against Michigan. I mean, it's it is what it is. But and all right, talking about getting blown out. I mean, the state of Nebraska right now for me, my injury of the week is really the national news coverage covering our great state. And honestly, this is probably a little more serious point. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, make this to be anything you know humorous or anything because this is this is serious stuff. This yeah. is serious situations. There's a lot of livestock out there, a lot of harvest, a lot of all the other stuff going on that people are losing a lot of property. Austin, I know your family's been affected. Yeah, by right. This. I mean, like we, I mean, we've got like the farm and everything that we've had to deal with. I know uh, people that I know that are friends, uh, and I have family in Columbus where it's it's underwater. Everything dams yeah. are breaking, bridges are going. Well, there's out. guys who can't go home for spring break. They, I know they, they literally cannot go home because things are closed. It's it's terrifying. And I've never seen anything like this. And it's it's almost like the movie 2012. Like, it feels like the apocalypse yeah. around here at times. Yeah. And, like, Kearney itself hasn't been truly affected. But 15 miles down the road, they evacuated the town of Pleasanton. Yeah. Because it's, it's floodwaters. And, and it, we don't have any national news coverage. There's no – and I saw that Nebraska applied for, like, federal, federal help and federal aid and everything. But to not have – the outpouring support, and I understand that this isn't like Hurricane Katrina, yeah, and this isn't you know Hurricane Sandy or anything like that. But there was a damn hurricane. Serious, there was yeah. a there was a snow hurricane yeah. above our state, and sixty six thousand people right now estimated are without homes, without power, yeah, without anywhere to go. And no, I, it's, it's 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 insane. It's 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 horrifying. You gotta feel, yeah, you gotta feel. And yet people. we still see headlines of you know. Governor Ricketts, this, that, like... Not even that. We still see headlines about Netflix shows that are getting canceled, like on yeah. just public... It's it's disheartening. It truly yeah. is. And I, I, I'm disappointed in it. And granted, the thing is, you could argue that, you know, right now, Jack and I did an hour-long sports show where we didn't talk about this and we didn't try to provide aid and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Well, sometimes it's just finding a way to get out of reality. Yeah. And that's what a lot of things have been this past couple of, yeah, you know, couple of days for a lot of people. And like I said, it's not directly affecting us. Lincoln, Omaha, Kearney, North Platte, not really had to deal with it. Um, but a lot of people we know and a lot of, a lot of people we don't are affected by this, and yeah. it, it sucks. It really does. Yeah. Um, moving forward, we'll try to up the beat a little bit as we close out. Jack, I'm going to let you get on your buzzer beater. you got 30 seconds on the shot clock. Go All for right, it. All right, so drawing up a good play. All right, we got the move. So here's my buzzer beater, Austin. I would take Steve Nash over any point guard in the history of Is that because we talked about Steve Nash today? No, it's not. It's because it's because Steve Nash is not only is he an amazing passer, but he's an incredible scorer, and yeah, okay, you don't like the plus-minus. He's he's very offensively productive. He's a good leader. He's got a good mentality. Just a guy you would absolutely love to build your entire program around because he's the GOAT, and yeah. Buzzbeater scored. Oh, did it? Oh, you still had a second left. You, you could have gotten another a better shot up, I, I feel, personally. Yeah, but, but I'm I mean, a baller, and so I put the ball in. Okay, well, cool. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> I'd probably pass it out, not to Johnny Trueblood. But uh, oh. by my buzzer beater, now we're going to put some time on the clock for me. I'm going to have a suit for spring break. I'm really excited for it. We're going to be leaving Saturday night, late night, so we can drive all the way through Wyoming. Oh, and have you're a good, so sick. Oh, I know, bro. We're going to have a great time. But, you know, I'm... I'm doing the Lord's work out there. I'm I'm going to uh, you know praise the good work of our Lord and Savior Harambe. He really has gotten a lot of flack these past <laughs> couple of years. He's not with us anymore by any means. But God rest his soul. 
But I mean, there was the jaguar in the uh, um, some zoo that a lady was like trying to pet, and it attacked her. And they're not going to put down the jaguar because of Harambe. They put him down, and they're not letting the jaguar go down. It's and it's movement. all Blake Bortles, and it all ties together. That's all I had for my buzzer beater. Hit it! Ugh. I think I crushed that one. That might be my best one. I'm a big talker. You got a wide open look. I know. I, I do what I can. Now, to close, you can like our Facebook page, or the blue and gold standard in the search bar. Follow us on Twitter at B underscore and G underscore standard. Once again, that's at B underscore and G underscore standard. Now, listen and subscribe to us on CastBox if you want to listen to our whole show. If you missed anything from the show, if you're just passing through and want to listen to us later, t- turn on your uh, spring break tunes and follow the blue and gold standard there on CastBox. We'll also post the links to the show on our Twitter and Facebook feeds. That's going to be our show for the day. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it every single week, and you guys tuning in. Have a great spring break, and go Lopers. This has been the Blue and Gold Standard, brought to you on 91.1 KLPR. Be sure to tune in every Friday at 11 for all your sports needs. We'll now send you back to your regular programming.